0: Welcome back to the Utah Shakespeare Festival's Play On podcast. I'm your host, Frank Hans. Today we have the privilege of speaking with Associate Education Director and Director of The Green Show this season, Josh Stavros. Josh has been with the festival for 14 seasons. He co-directed last year's production of The Green Show with Fred C. Adams and was Assistant Director on the 2011 production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Josh has been working in the education department since 2002, and has co-directed several festival Playmakers productions, including *The Pirates of Penzance*, *The Wizard of Oz*, *Peter Pan*, *Schoolhouse Rock*, and *Honk Jr.* Good morning. It's great to have you here today. Good morning. Thanks Thank you for, so much for, for uh, having me on. Um, so it, this is a this is a uh chance to talk with you again about the green show. You were here last year talking with Nano about it and uh and got to got to discuss a little bit about it. Uh, but it it's a new show this year or a new set of shows. New set of shows. That's a good way to think about it. Yeah, and it would be great to hear a little bit about that. But first, I guess I'd like to start off by asking you to talk a little bit about your experience here at, at Utah Shakespeare Festival. How did you get here? How did you first hear about this place? And now how long
1: have you been here? What do you do? You, we were just talking about this a bit ago. You wear a lot of hats here. <laughs> it feels like I do. I, I grew up in Salt Lake City and really didn't know anything about the festival until my family moved to southern Utah uh, in the mid-'90s. And I had a friend in high school who worked at the festival in the concessions area and got me a ticket, oddly enough, to the very first show I saw at the festival, which was Charlie's Aunt. Uh, and I'd never experienced live theater like that before. I b- had done some small school plays, and I had an interest and an affinity for theater, but not had never seen it at this level professionally. And was completely captivated by what I saw at the festival. And then very soon after that, having experienced that show, I went over to the across the street, so to speak, to the Adams side, and experienced my first green show, and just saw how much fun. The Shakespeare Festival was in the summer, and I really hadn't done much else until I was in college uh, with the festival. Anyway, until I was in college and started working in the education department, we, Michael and I, were sort of resurrecting a a struggling theater program at Cedar High School, and got to know each other really well and began to have what is now, I think, my fourteenth season working for the festival in some capacity, mostly in the education department. Uh, But I've been lucky enough the last two years, uh, through the the good graces of David and Brian, to uh, work on the Green Show. And I think part of what prompted them to ask Fred and I last year and then me again this year is my experience looking at the festival as a whole and really seeing what it's like when the Green Show is all you might experience for the festival. It wasn't the first thing I experienced, but I know a lot of people, especially who live in town, that... That To them, the Utah Shakespeare Festival and the Green Show are synonymous. They may not attend shows in the, either of our beautiful theaters, but what the festival is to them is that wonderful park-like revels experience. And I know how important it is. I know talking to friends and neighbors and experiencing it with my own family. And I'm so excited to be able to work on to work on it with that in mind, to be thinking about, you know, this is for the people who do attend the place from out of town. Fred said last year, one of the things that, that he said that has stuck with me is when he and his wife Barbara conceived The Green Show, they wanted to create something that was a transition between the asphalt and the chrome of travel to Cedar City and the wood and the green and the beautiful language of the Shakespeare plays, that there needed to be something in between to make everyone's experience better. And that was how it was conceived, and I thought, what a great way to think about it. And then take again thinking about it at the next level for the people who may not experience the plays how much more important is it? And how much more important is for people to feel welcome and to feel engaged and to set the tone for their visit to the Utah Shakespeare Festival? And it's so much fun to think about all those things as as I conceive and plan and work with a great production team to put and brilliant performers to put these sh- shows together.
0: Wonderful. You talked about a number of things that I'd like to get back to. But um, first, I I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about What a green show is for people who might not have experienced it before, and what's the history of the green show here at Utah Shakespeare Festival?
1: Well, the green show as it is currently conceived is uh, essentially uh, an outdoor song and dance uh, half hour that provides, uh, that's sort of themed around a night, uh, or excuse me, themed around a culture or a country, and provides that sort of buffer between the shows and travel and welcomes Uh, People to our grounds. It was originally conceived by Fred's wife Barbara, uh, in that same vein, and it had originally a a chorus of of flutes and recorders and dancers. And for many many years, we had a small uh, ensemble group of live musicians that played in the Green Show every year, in addition to dancers and singers. As it is now, we have eight uh, actors, uh, four men and four women who perform, and then an additional two musicians. And this year, two youth performers who all work together on stage to create the ensemble. We also have uh, five of our SUU fellows, is what we call them, but it's uh, essentially our acting interns who work on uh, some puppet shows for the youth, the classic sort of Punch and Judy shows for our English night. And then we wrote and conceived a new uh, Taming of the Shrew puppet show with the stock Commedia dell'Art, you know, Italian stock character puppets that were created especially for the show, but we will be able to continue to use in future years as other as we create other Commedia stock shows. So that's another sort of fun thing specifically, but we want to create an experience that's fun for the whole family, that, you know, we only have children six and older that are, uh, attend our plays, but the Green Show is designed for families and children of all ages, and those are the kind of things we focus on as a fun, park, open experience where you can Come in and leave at any time, but have a great great time watching and listening.
0: It would seem, too, for particularly the younger audiences, that may be their way into coming to Shakespeare plays later on or mm-hmm. to
1: coming to to productions in the Adams and the Randall. Absolutely. I I, th- I have a friend who's been bringing his daughter for years, and their summer revolves around coming to see the green shows. I don't know that they've ever—and he and, he and his wife attend the shows, and I think as their children get over, they'll hopefully bring them along, too, but creating a space where— for anyone who comes to Cedar City or who's grown up here, that you know that when summertime comes, the fun place to be at 7 o'clock on a weekday evening or on a Saturday evening is uh, is the Green Show. Yeah. And you are the director of all of this. Yep. But <laughs> it might it,
0: it might be an understatement to say that you're the director for this because – it's three different shows, and there's no script going in, and there's a lot that you have to manage and handle. So, talk about talk a little bit about your role as director. What well, does that mean?
1: I, I think the I, you said it there. It's a director, a little bit director, a little bit program manager, and a little bit playwright. I think what that, which is partly what I think is so much fun for me. It's it's a it's an exciting challenge because, you know, we the the mandate, so to speak, is to have shows that rotate. Uh, with the other sh- shows that we do in repertory. So three shows is what we're looking for. And we have found over the years that, for me at least, the best way to sort of theme them is around a geographic location or around a musical genre. So, for example, this year we have what we call English Revels Night that has a very sort of renaissance, a little bordering medieval, but a, a sort of an old English feel. We have an Italian night, what we're calling the Tour of Italy, where a troop of Italian players take the guests on a musical journey and a dance journey through the various regions of Italy. And then the third night is what we call Irish Pub Night, where we have essentially the cast becomes an Irish band that uh, has stopped in Cedar City for the summer and performs twice a week, uh, a set of as many Irish bands would do in pubs or parks all over the world, really. Um, so there's lots of Irish songs, traditional Irish songs, uh, dances, and then a few more contemporary songs with an Irish twist, which is a lot of fun. And my job as the director is to sort of conceive the, come up with the themes for each of the nights, conceive the shows, and work with the design team. We have a costume and a set designer and a music director and a choreographer, and work with them as well as a music director, uh, working with them to pick exactly the right songs and looks and then so then, the, most of my job is done before everybody arrives and that's sort of setting what I call the set order, figuring out exactly how everything flows together, how they all work one with another between the shows, taking into account that all of the performers in our shows are also in the main stage season. So they may be going from one show into – another show. For example, on Irish night, everybody finishes the show and runs across the street and is the ensemble in South Pacific. Like so, 15 minutes later. Like 15 yeah. minutes later. Exactly. <laughs> so a lot of what I am thinking about as I put these set lists together is what's this going to do to actors on a certain night? How is it going to flow? Does it still feel good for the audience? That There's all this sort of behind the scenes stuff that happens and ultimately what I'm hoping is that it's a fun and interesting set and that it all flows together and provides that welcoming experience for the guests. Once rehearsals start, uh, I connect with the music director and the choreographer. We make sure that everything works that way and sort of really refine what those dances need to be. I help make the acting and acting choices along the way for the actors, as well as the sort of thematic decisions. And then, thank goodness, I have brilliant people working with me to choreograph and teach the music, and then we put it all together. And just uh, as these brilliant, hardworking actors are working in two other shows, one or two other shows um, in the repertory rehearsal cycle. I often say, and I'm admittedly biased, that the actors in the green show are the hardest-working actors in the company because their their main green show slot is 9 to noon in the morning, and then they usually have a 1 to 5 and a 6 to 10 o'clock slot for other shows. So where most of the actors in the company are really, other than secondary and specific rehearsals, are in main rehearsal afternoons and evenings, the the performers in the green show are working essentially 9 to 10 9 am to 10pm every day six days a week all through the rehearsal process and they put out a
0: lot of energy every
1: day in those <laughs> yeah. shows too yeah it's yeah. yeah they're
0: not it's not an
1: easy low energy experience <laughs> right. not at all not at all sit back and talk for a while yeah, yeah. not that
0: tell us a little bit about the performers where where do they come from who are they what's their what is their background? You talk so, about the SUU. It's so fun
1: because they're from all over. I mean, we have a couple who are SUU students, which I'm grateful for. As an SUU alumni and now an SUU employee, it's so fun to see students from my own theatrical tradition experiencing the, the um, and seeing them being amazing performers. But even they are from St. George, Utah or Nevada or Washington State. They're they're from all over, even though they're from SUU. Most of the performers this year usually they tend to all kind of cluster from one place. This year we have uh, three students from the University of Miami. We have a student from the universe, American American Catholic University, uh, a student from the graduate program at University of California at Irvine, and a student from Otterbein, uh, either gradu- graduating, just graduated, or uh, I think one or two of them are, are are underclassmen in their undergraduate program. And that energy, the energy of having students but not high school students and they're you know very the cream of the crop of each of their programs coming and working together creates a really fun energy because they all have different traditions they all have different backgrounds but coming together with such a unique common purpose and knowing that they're still learning and that they still have that attitude of learning makes for really exciting rehearsal processes because no one's set in their ways everyone's still really open and likes to try new things and oh I mean, one of the fun things we had this year is we always like to see beyond just singing and dancing and acting what their skills are. And we have a couple of people who play the guitar and one person plays the violin and a couple of people can juggle. Well, as we sort of assessed the group at the beginning of the rehearsal process, there were two or three people who had decided that they wanted to learn more. And so we have one guy that's picked up the mandolin since we started rehearsing and somebody else is working on juggling and tumbling because somebody else in the cast was doing it and they wanted. So, I mean, that sort of you can't put a price on that kind of collaboration and energy when you're creating a show like this, because the green show at its core, you know, I conceive the numbers and I set the themes, but there isn't a hardcore set script. And if I were to try to script out everything for them, I think it would lose some of its magic. And when you have a group that that's, that's that collaborative and can work and play together, the kind of things that come out of there and that end up on stage are honest, wonderful, genuine, amazing interactions between each other and between the audience because they're just so open and on all the time in rehearsal and in performance.
0: It would also seem like that demands a great deal of ensemble work happening within that group of people. They're all on stage for the entire shows, even if they're not performing in a particular number at that moment. Um, how do you work to create that sense of ensemble in the
1: rehearsal process? Well, I think no having them at a, such a specific set time in the morning does a lot of it. But I think we, we as a production team, work really hard to um, create a, a feeling in the rehearsal studio that it's open, it's fun, that, that communication is free and easy, in that if there's a problem or concern, we can always talk about it, we joke, we laugh. We try to, in rehearsal, experience the fun that we want the audience to experience on the stage. And that's... It sounds silly, but that's part of the work. That's part of the process is to find that fun together. And we don't, the other thing that tends to happen but doesn't always happen and has absolutely happened this year is because they spend so much time together in rehearsal, they start to spend time together in their personal life. You know, they're all from somewhere else. They've all come to Cedar City and are living in festival housing and are in relatively close quarters and working on other shows. And one of the things that drew me to the theater originally was this, that sort of, ensemble spirit not just in the work but in socializing as well and so one of my favorite stories is uh someone from back east had never been to in n out burger and the california students were extolling the and utah students were extolling the virtues or performers i say students but they're not students they're performers uh, extolling the virtues of a delicious in n out burger and so they had an afternoon break and during rehearsal they decided they were all just gonna drive down to st george an hour away (laughs) together between their two rehearsal blocks to make sure that this person could have uh, an In-N-Out burger, and the, the, which is awesome by itself. But when they got down there, they saw that In-N-Out was right next to Red Robin and they got all more excited. And so they just spent the afternoon laughing and talking and hanging out and eating at Red Robin because they had the time and they wanted to spend time with each other. And that, you know, I, I can't claim any credit for that. That's just amazing people being amazing to each other. And it's the best part of my job that I get to work with people like that.
0: When you select these nights, there's some some attempt at alignment with the geography of the play that's being done that evening. So Italian night is on Taming of the Shrew night, so forth. Uh Um, What are you looking for when you put an evening together in terms of musical selections, in terms of types of dances? And if you can even fill us in a little bit on some of the choices that you've made for this particular season on, on the shows that are going on.
1: That's a great question. I think it, Fred really was the one who turned me on to the idea of working hard to theme the shows to connect to the plays. That has, I think, been done perfunctorily in the past, but that was something that he and I wanted to really do. And it started last year with English Night and connected this year is that with a, a history play so tied to the to actual England, not you know not theoretical fictional Shakespeare England, but real people in real places, we wanted to extend that experience farther out. And so we were look. I was looking this year for some traditional old English sounds. The, uh, you know, there's, there's a folk dance tradition uh, in England that's amazing. And I wanted to connect into some of that uh, and pick a couple of songs. But then what it mostly becomes about, especially speaking on English night is uh, creating a nice arc in, in terms of a story because at our heart, no matter where we're working at the festival, we're all storytellers. And I always like to say that there are more. there's more than one way to tell a story and telling a story through a plot-driven, you know, rising action, climax, falling action story is only one way. And so the way I like to tell the story is through the music and the character and I'd like to take people on a journey through a story of these people performing or F- helping people find their own story connecting to songs they may have heard as children you know one of the things that has resonated so strongly over the last 2 years is we is the maypole you know you talk to we talked to some of our older guests and i even had a really touching experience just a few days ago that an older guest had talked about when they were in elementary school that was something that they still did on may day that the kids would all learn the maypole and dance it together and it was so fun to see that happening on our stage and so it became about her story as a child, experiencing this very, very old tradition that doesn't always work its way into what we're doing now. So there's a sense, there's always the feeling of tradition for me. I always want to keep that old tradition alive in at least one of the nights. But then it's about making new traditions and telling new stories. And so some of the songs have a much more modern feel or, or are actually much more modern, even though they still have a classical feel. In Italian night, that we wanted to take them on a tour, so I was work, looking very specifically at uh, regional experiences, you know, uh, a gondolier song in Venice or uh, uh, a tarantella from Sicily. And then the other thing that I always like to have in there is some element of audience participation. And So this year for Italian night, we've created a, a grape stomp experience when they're in Tuscany that we bring people up on stage and they jump in a big barrel and stomp on grapes uh to generate grape juice for the wine of the region, uh, and that again tell cr- making people's creating stories for the people experiencing it and an irish night i is is so much fun because there's so much great music from that tradition it's it the op the possibilities are endless, and the dance traditions are so exciting as well so for that night it's about what is fun, what is interesting, what people might not have seen or heard before, or if there's something they've heard. How can I take that and turn it into something else and create a new sense of what it is to have fun out on the green? And, you know, it's Irish night connects the the least to the shows. But in some ways, uh, it doesn't matter so much because it doesn't have that tradition isn't generated through finding something more arcane or old fashioned. It's through... Coming together in the great spirit of the Irish and having fun together and laughing and dancing and joking and it uh all three of them I think complement each other really well for really different reasons and that's actually one of the things that I think about the most and I've, I've I'm always thinking about is is how can these three inter- how do they interact even if they aren't directly connected and if someone's coming for three days, the thing that I want to the thing that I'm most excited about as in my second year's directing is people may come to the festival for years and years and years. And once they've done the green show, quote unquote, do they come back? And the answer is some maybe do, but most probably don't. I want to create green shows and create experiences where no matter how long you've been coming to the festival, you don't want to miss the three shows before the shows you see in, at night. That's my goal. <laughs> That's a
0: wonderful goal. And and seems like, what you've been doing over the last couple of years is really leading leading audiences toward that. And I hope bringing so. Them in, yeah, yeah. Um, you talked about having live musicians in the past and having some live music now. You have kind of a mix at this point of live music and recorded music. Um, talk about talk a little bit about how you select those tunes and and what the and what that process is and how you. I don't know. Do
1: you pick your the scores, or do you have people record that music in advance? How does that work? That's a great question. I, I Knowing – I sort of have a general idea of what I want, but I'm really excited once the cast list goes up, so to speak, and seeing what people's skills have. You know, I've, I've had the the luxury, really, of having uh, the same violinist interested the last four, three or four years, and knowing that she would want to come back, I sort of pick music – in the off season that I know is in her, in her wheelhouse and that can, that can showcase her and works well. And then um, once we find out more what the other actors are capable of and if we have additional uh, musicians, then we can make tweaks. But what really happens is this year specifically, the first week of rehearsals, I sat down with uh, Michael Gribbin, our music director, and Chris- Christine Kellogg, our choreographer, and we sort of went through song by song and said, here's what I was thinking. Uh, I think we can play this here. I know we have some additional musical talent here. Uh, what do you think? And he'll say, oh, he says, oh, yep, that's great. And then what he does is he'll, I pull together with him all the sheet music, even if it's just tunes, just the basic tunes, um, whether they're uh, more popular modern tunes or the old-fashioned folk tunes, and then he does the arranging, and he'll arrange parts for, for her and then arrange it for the rest of the voices, and then knowing what we want live or tracked, he will actually create those tracks to complement what we have in terms of live musicians and that's been to me the most fun thing to watch as a director this year is this really great music director looking at this really great cast and saying okay you're really good at this and you're really good at that and we don't have this here but I can put that on the track and so there's this what I feel like though I'm biased is this great blend between what we have on stage without having a full you know little ensemble and his talent as a music director creating a really rich sound that still honors the tradition of live music and live performance, but augments it and supports it so well. The, in the d- days past, the Green Show Company was an entirely separate company from the rest. That They were called the Revels Company, and so there was this small core of musicians and a small core of actors, and they did the Green Shows and then it did an additional what was called the Royal Feast. And as it became impractical to do the Royal Feast, uh, Art, they made the brilliant, I think, artistic decision to start rolling The Revels Company into the main season, which meant we got a whole different caliber of actor uh, and performer and dancer And because they were more excited to do come and do you know, South Pacific in addition to the shows. And it that was at that point that that musical core kind of went away because they didn't have quite as much work. And it's, it was an expensive process. So th- having, I feel like I'm having the best of both worlds now, that it's not a completely tracked show, and it's not a per you know a whole live ensemble but i've got this great blend of live and track music that really builds the spirit and the and the experience i think
0: and is really specific and
1: original to the people who are doing it. 100% o- yeah. o- alter, i mean really everything every single piece every single arrangement was custom created for this cast this year because based on their specific skills talents voices everything
0: so we, there's sort of the main stage green show performance but then there's also people interacting with the audience and this other show, this puppet show going on on the other side of the Adams. Talk about
1: how that came about and what it is. And well, the, for a long time, puppet shows were a part of the Green Show. That there was either additional performers or local. You know, Fred talked for a long time about how there was there were local people who would come and participate in the Green Show in their own way outside of the the company. And there's a a wonderful puppet tradition in the English culture of Punch and Judy, that and it's still performed today all over England, all over all over the place. There's still Punch and Judy traditional Punch and Judy puppets going on puppet shows, uh, and we were really excited to bring that back last year. Part of what Fred and I talked about last year was sort of in in our version of the Green Show was bringing back lots of old favorites. That it became sort of a greatest hits of the Green Show, which actually was a bit of a challenge this year because we we did a lot of awesome stuff last year, and then what what I. I feel and like we... can't do the yeah, same show again. I can't again. do the same yeah. show again. Exactly. But it was so... My favorite... I'll, the best story for me for the puppet show is I have a friend who grew up here in Cedar City. She's in her mid-30s now and uh, has a family of her own. And we were just talking about the Green Show and working on it. And I t- just mentioned offhand that we were bringing back the Punch and Judy puppets. And she stopped and she grabbed me by the arm and she said, you, you're, doing, you're doing Punch and Judy again? I remember seeing those all the time as a kid. Those were I can't. I get to bring my kids to Punch, Punch and Judy, and all of a sudden she was ten years old again, and was so excited to bring her own kids back for this experience. And because of that, it was like, well, we have to keep doing this, and how can we do more of it? So, in addition to the Punch and Judy script, which is a lot of fun, we worked with our designers this year to create a a, a, a brand new original set of puppets, stock Commedia dell'Art puppets, which is like. The, i mean for a brief history of commedia dell'arte it's this sort of improvisational italian tradition of theater that is completely rooted that all of our sitcom comedy every sort of every friends episode every seinfeld episode every kind of that sh- story is rooted somewhere in commedia dell'arte if you read through the the list of what the stories were about and how they performed these little troops would perform all over italy um so there's this cranky old man and there's the young lovers and it perfectly fit with *Taming of the Shrew*. That same kind of characters, and so we wrote a, a, a *Taming of the Shrew* puppet show that happens before every *Taming of the Shrew* in the Adams Theater. And it's so much fun to watch little kids who couldn't sit through, and you know, a two-hour Shakespeare production, uh, to sit through a ten or a twenty-minute puppet show that still, because uh, I love Shakespeare so much, still has Shakespeare lines in it. You know, it's a mix of of Shakespeare text and not, but to, to learn those stories and to have that fun. And, and just to, again, round out that experience of coming to the green show is coming and spending time with your family and it's laughing and it's food and it's music. And I mean, it's, it is summer. And to have those, uh, puppet shows for kids beyond just watching people sing and dance uh, that they can interact with and participate in has been a lot of fun. And, you know, there'd been in, since I've been here, there've been three or four years of uh, different versions of puppet shows, some in the fall, some in the summer, some of them before the shows, some of them during. Uh, but there hadn't been for a few years, and, and I was so excited to kind of bring them back. It it really enriches the experience, it seems, too, because
0: it, it becomes almost its own festival of things happening at the same time with different performers and different modes of entertainment geared at different audiences and, and a way to really kind of wrap the experience up even more for people
1: well and and yeah i think you're right and i think that's a big part of what we we want to do and in 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 addition we wanted to connect more with the community i talked a little bit before that there had been community performers that had participated in some ways or the other uh outside the green show itself and i wanted to extend that to this season So we have uh, as sort of pre-show experience uh, to round out that whole complete festival. On Italian Nights, uh, Ross Murdoch is his name. He's a horticulturist for SUU. All of the beautiful flowers and plants that you see all around the theaters, he's the guy that's ultimately in charge of that and making them beautiful. He also plays the concertina, which is a small sort of squeeze box accordion. Uh, And so 10 minutes before Italian Night, he comes and sits down on the stage and plays a little Italian music, and then we have a wonderful local uh, ensemble, or chamber choir called the Village Voices that uh, comes on English night and does English madrigals. They do a few on the stage, and then they kind of wander the courtyard and the lobby of the theaters to round out that experience. And that, you know, it, in terms, if I had a vision for the Green Show moving forward, it would be to continue to build like that so that just like a, a, par- a concert in the park or just like a festival or a fair, There's just so much going on and so much to watch, and it's noisy and it's fun and it's musical, and it's not a a sit-down-and-watch kind of play. It's a come-and-experience-yourself and and be a part of. And whatever happens to the Green Show, I think that spirit will always be there. And whatever shows, whatever the themes are, the nights, or whatever else happens, that that festival feeling really is there.
0: You talked about this before, but it's also the only fully curated artistic experience at Utah Shakespeare Festival
1: that is free for audiences. It is
0: Talk about the importance of that. I
1: think you know, I think art has value and art has a cost and that, you know, to to give all of it away for free all the time would serve no one. But I think having an entry point and a way for people to experience the beauty of live theater and music in a way that is accessible and interesting and 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 connects with people at different ages and different places is, is critical. And I think one of the things that I've always loved about working at the festival is the commitment to that at every level. Artistic, in every department, there's a commitment to creating accessible th- experiences, not always easy, but accessible, and always thinking about the new audience, whether that's the new generation uh, coming up, young people wanting to be involved in or watching the theater, or the new audience in terms of people who may not have experienced before, no matter where they are in their life, that there's a place to to begin and to, to find the fun and the magic of live theater. And I think wisely, Barbara and Fred figured it out a long time ago, and I'm glad we're still doing it, that something like The Green Show can be that. It's a wonderful tradition
0: to have here, and it's a, it's a great tradition to carry on. Thank you so much
1: for coming today and, Thank you. and talking I, with us for a I'm little so, bit. I'm so I'm I'm privileged to talk about this this thing that happens before, but that so much work goes in by so many people to make your you know welcome to the festival a really good big thing. Great,
0: thanks a lot. Thanks, Frank. Thanks for listening to another episode, Play on Podcast listeners. To hear more, go back and listen to our past interviews on the festival webpage. Catch a new episode every Friday with your favorite directors, actors, and designers from our 2015 season.